0: The man in charge of sonic motivation for players.
1: DJ extraordinaire. The official
0: DJ of your Edmonton Oilers. The NHL
1: hub. DJ for the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: Of the World Junior Hockey Championship.
1: John Hicks. John Hicks. John Hicks, a.k.a. Johnny Infamous. Johnny Infamous. Johnny Infamous. Johnny Infamous. A shout-out to DJ Infamous in the building at Rogers Place, keeping the energy up. Welcome to Between Whistles with your host, Johnny Infamous. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Presented by DraftKings. This week is jam-packed with ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Assemble your team lineup while staying under the salary cap, then sit back and watch your points pile up. Over $7 billion has been paid out to users across all sports. Download the DraftKings app, sign up using code THPN, and get a free entry with your first deposit. Minimum $5 required.
0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. As always, thanks for listening and watching via YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. And if you dig the show, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, please, and thank you. Also, this week, the Hockey Podcast Network and this show, Between Whistles, giving you a chance to win a Team Canada jersey. Simply hop on Twitter, follow me, at JohnnyInfamous, and at HockeyPodNet. Retweet the pinned contest tweet at the top of my profile, and that's it. You've got your chance to win. Speaking of jerseys, my next guest has worn a ton of them over the years, more than any other pro athlete I know. Uh, He's been paid by organizations to pump up attendees of hockey games and other sporting events for over 26 years. And his profession is definitely a unique one. Uh, It conjures to mind the few people we know who have made it big in fan engagement in the stands. People like Crazy George, the inventor of the wave, and Morgana, the kissing bandit, who made a career out of interrupting Major League Baseball games. But in a world without fans, I want I wanted to check in with my friend who has taken the time during the pandemic to catalog and release a history of all his experiences in sports entertainment in his new book. He's a professional fan who's rallied crowds at events all across the world. Over 1,500 of them, he's made his living being called on by the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, and MLB to engage fans. And it's not just the fans who love him. Athletes do as well. Marty Brodeur said he should have gotten the third star after his performance during a Team Canada game at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. The Gretzky family adores him, and the greatest hockey player of the modern era, Connor McDavid, is a big supporter and friend of my guest today. He's the man, the myth, the legend. And motivational consultant with a question mark it's Cameron Hughes welcome to Between Whistles Woo-hoo, let's turn it up excited to be here <laughs> that's a, quite the intro yeah well it. you've had quite it. the storied career I mean and adventures let's start at the beginning uh, where are you from where'd you grow up from Ottawa uh,
1: I grew up uh, my parents middle class town Ottawa very social you know in Ottawa because it was uh, not a lot to do so we'd play a lot and I look back on my career and other people from Ottawa and we always joked that, you know, our doors were always open and it allowed for like the social aspect of kind of who I am.
0: So take me back to that first night when you finally decided, hey, I'm going to get up and get loose in front of a crowd here at a sporting event.
1: Yeah, it was such a weird moment. I had season tickets for the Sens, but my seats were like literally at the highest level. And my friend said, hey, do you want to come to the game? I've got my dad's great seats in the middle of the arena. There's no jumbotrons. They barely had a DJ, you know. Eight minutes to go in the game. I look at my buddy. The game's boring. We're losing by a goal to the Jets. The Sens are the worst team in the NHL. I look at him. I'm like, I got to do something. And he's like, please don't, (laughs) right? And it was too late. I'm like jumping like this on my seat. I'm like all fired up. I'm like, I'm going to do something. We got to get this place fired up. Come on. Why isn't anyone cheering? I get up on my seat, dude, on my seat. And I started like going absolutely nuts. And there's this buzz in the arena. Everyone's like, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's happening? And I sit back down on my seat. And you know this from however many events you've done and produce and et cetera. There's so many people that do something once and it's fun and it goes away, right? And it could have been just that moment where they, oh, that fan did that funny dance that night over, right? The reason I've had this accidental career, 1,500 events, all the different games and travels and around the world is because I got up the next time. DJ plays... Big dance song, everybody dance now, the next whistle. Literally, you can feel the music turning up. So dude, I get up from my seat and I'm in the aisle and I'm dancing up and down the aisle, my jeans, jean shirt, obviously. And I'm going crazy, flailing my arms and the crowd is going nuts. Whistle blows, play resumes, standing ovation. Back to my seat, the senators are like, we want your number, we want you to come back. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? They're like, just dance
0: from there, you went to performance of playoff games in Toronto and at one time took some lumps on air by a certain coach turned Hockey 9 Canada host, but it ended up working out in your favour. This was your first exposure on television to the masses.
1: Yeah, after doing Ottawa for a few years, I wanted to see if I could do it in other crowds. Like, you know, you know, like, is the crowd the same? Or is it just because it's Ottawa that it's working? So I, I go down to Toronto on a dare. My buddy got me in the door. I'm firing up the crowd. The first night, it goes really well. And at the end of the game, the Leafs said, we love it, but we want you to wear Leaf t-shirts. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, that's the branding, right? And at the end of the game, the I was made fun of on Hockey Night in Canada. They're like, they all thought I was drunk and like, he, he's going to have a swelled head in the morning. And a friend of mine, unbeknownst to me, emails Ron McLean, head of sports and says, this guy's just this kid from Ottawa. And that was the moment where I realized that there's not that much difference in Ottawa or Toronto crowd. But the concept is the same, that they all wanted crazy, fun, spontaneous connection
0: and energy. And then you took this energy on the road. You tested it at other places. I know another milestone for you was a spring break trip where you went and danced at, I mean, all three, the Ducks, the Kings and Lakers games. Were those paid gigs or was that another plot for you to kind of further your career? I think at that point I, re- I made all my own T-shirts called The Dancing Guy Tour
1: and I put my face on the shirts and I would just show up at all these venues because... I realized back in the day, if I emailed them a VHS copy, they weren't going to watch it. And they're going to be like, who's this Yahoo, right? Mm. So I wanted to show them live what I could do. And after those three games, a guy from the Washington Sports and Entertainment saw me, and he brings me into Washington. And that was my break. By showing up in LA, I got a gig in Washington. And I realized that, you know, once again, the crowd in Anaheim versus LA versus Washington, Ottawa, Toronto, they're all the same. They all want the same thing right? It's just different how we give it to them.
0: So now you're doing NHL games, you're doing NBA games. When did the Olympics come into the fold?
1: Well, there's, I did the 2002 Olympics on a whim and then 2010 Vancouver, they'd seen me enough and they wanted me to do 34 games. I ended up doing 26. I believe it was two games a day. I would like be in the corner, like where the security was having
0: a nap and the RCMP is like, Oh, he's fine. Don't worry about him. Do you train like it's, it's a lot of energy being exerted. Do you train like an athlete? Would you, you've got Vancouver Olympics. Like I was in the
1: best shape of my life. I, I had a, I literally had a health and wellness uh, coach. I'm not even kidding you. Cause I was like, if I'm going to go to Vancouver, I've got to be so focused. This is my, this is my gold medal dream moment. Right. In a weird way, as it was for DJs, producers, like all the other people behind the scenes that this is the pinnacle of their careers too. Like I look how lucky we are. Right. I was so focused. Um, And then I'll never forget after Sid scored the winning goal, my first beer in like
0: four or five months was like, Whoa,
1: yes, (laughs) we did it. Right.
0: Another story I heard about the Olympics is that you were actually banned from the hockey games in 2002. How did this happen? Well,
1: I was doing all the games. Like one of the producers for one of the NHL teams got me in the door and said, Hey, I can give you a pass, but I can't pay you. Do you want to do them? And I'm like, of course. So I was doing all the games, and I was a little too pro-Canada that the Salt Lake City Organizing Committee, before the gold medal game, said, we can't have that guy in here. And I'm like, so bummed out, right? I've given my heart and soul to all the games, not just the Canadian games. It's the Saturday morning, the day before the gold medal game. I'm downstairs at the ATM, the HIPAA playing that night, and Janet Gretzky walks by me, and she's like, hey. I'm like, Hey. What's going on here? (laughs) Such a cool moment. She was so nice. And I'd given her kids T-shirts. And she's like, I'll see you at the game tomorrow. I'm like, actually, I'm not going. And I told her the story. And she's like, I'll call Wayne. Meet me tomorrow morning in the lobby at 1030. So I go down in the lobby. I've got all my Canadian paraphernalia, tattoos, flags. Go down there. Kids come down. Friends come down. Janet comes down and says, get on the bus. What? (laughs) We get on the bus. We're singing songs, the hip. I've got the kids everywhere. I'm putting tattoos on them. And she gives me the ticket and says, go have fun. And it sounds so like cliche, but by showing up, you just never know, right? You never know. And we're always stuck on the idea of like, well, I need this to be all aligned and it needs to be perfect. You know, when you let go of those expectations, I mean, in a million years, I never thought I would be going on a, you know, on a bus with the Gretzky
0: family to the gold medal game. You're (laughs) right. You're an honorary member of the Gretzky family. After this, that day, Uh, tennis matches have always been super special for you in 2011 and 2015, but especially this one with Djokovic. Fill us in on that story again.
1: Yeah, that was crazy. It was my fifth year performing at the U.S. Open, and it was always so fun because that was—you never knew it was going to happen brad gilbert's amazing host he's all about having fun he asks novak after the match he's like hey your buddy was there again you know because i'd had a funny interaction with him and novak's like novak just wants to have fun and the head of entertainment for the u.s opens like on a headset trying to get permission from espn from the broadcasters from the u.s open do we let this moment happen he's a true dancer i must say he possesses the skills that i admire very much he's a true entertainer every year so i don't know if he's still around but uh Thank you, man. Thanks for dancing. <laughs>
0: is a professional fan, a guy by the name uh, of Cameron. That's Q. a good gig, Dad. Uh, yeah it is. How much does that pay? And, and, and you gotta love Djokovic's reaction with that security <laughs> guard finally so let him through. There's your and way they hit the Another court. Back. Here was Djokovic out Another incredible and spontaneous moment. That's the thing. These moments you try to inject into the crowd create these other moments that you don't even plan. One of them took place at the Canada 7s rugby match in Vancouver when an energetic fan named Malcolm joined your routine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at Malcolm moment, Canada 7s as, and and, and you know this really well, like we, we are so programmed at all the events, right? There's a script. We got to go by the script, okay? What's next? Canada 7s is a great example of kind of ripping up the script and adapting as on the fly. End of the ma- end of the day, a long day at Canada 7s, 35, 40,000 people, and I turn around and look at me and there's all these young boys dancing. And I'm like, this is not normal and I turn around again and there's only one guy and he keeps dancing and he's dancing and now I'm like out of the way and he rips off his shirt and I'm like give him some t-shirts and he's trolling the shirts and the crowd's like what in the heck oh my god this is amazing malcolm uh, at the time 18 year old boy he's got down syndrome he lit it up lit it up and it was the best moment of my career in the sense of it's never been about me it's been about being that spark for other people for them to get up for them to be part of the fun and malcolm showed us all that night what you know the power of live events right um, and we ended up getting the uh, the slow clap going with 35,000 people, which was which pretty cool. You know, like I said, in terms of ripping up the script, and I understand that you have them, but I think a lot of the teams that I've worked with in my career and producers realize that sponsors are going to be happy if fans left with like energy, excitement, great moments happened. And when you do follow those instructions of feed, feeding off the crowd and bringing them like alive, like out of their seat. Everyone wins, the sponsors, the team, the fans, and ultimately the players, because we forget the
0: players want the crowd to be energized, right? Um, It's obviously been well-received for the most part during your career by fans. I mean, some of them don't know you're part of the show. Some of them do and play along. Some of them know and simply don't care, but you have had a few, your fair share of angry fans. Are there any nights that come to mind, especially where things almost or did come to fisticuffs in the stands? The, the one for me that was like crazy and the
1: most, you know, uh, out there was Cavs NBA Finals. I got a big, big moment, 22,000 people live NBA and a Golden State fan came after me and started to like try to get in my way and dance and go crazy. And I kind of had to like push him a bit, move him, um, which was not a good idea, but I didn't really have a choice. And so the, you know, the fans were like, oh my God, what's happening here? This isn't planned. So at the end of it, I went and gave a little piece of my mind to him and I didn't sit well with me and I came back to apologize, but he'd already been
0: kicked out. (laughs) I mean, you're a lucky guy, Cam. Anyone who knows the history of like motivational consultants, I know we laugh about it, or fan engagers, pro sports fans, whatever you want to call them. Uh, It's a very small circle of people who have made a living off this stuff uh, to someone who wanted to be out there right now and say, Hey, I want to follow in Cam's footsteps. What would you say to them? Don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's some teams and you know, they're in the NHL that you may or may not know of that have tried to, uh, they have someone trying to do my shtick and, you know, supposed to be grateful for that. I always jo- I joke with them, sent them a note and said, have them come to my cheer Academy. <laughs> um, I, it's not just about me being, you know, other people being, I'm not trying to inspire people to do what I do. I'm trying to inspire people to get up, to go for it, to move it. And if you want to be that character for that minor league team, for that college team, I'll give you all the time in the world in terms of what I think you should do when I have, I, I did do consulting once for an NBA team about the spirit team about connecting and building rapport. And ultimately, I mean, you know, it's just about putting yourself out there and the, and the crowd responds to that authentic energy of yourself. You don't have to do cartwheels down the stairs. You just got to be real, right?
0: Cam's Cheer Academy coming in 2022.
1: Yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to make a living somehow these days.
0: <laughs> well, I was, that's what I was just going to say. It must be hard for you as it is for everyone in uh, sports entertainment right now during COVID, obviously without fans at sporting events. Uh, has the writing of the book been a way for you to kind of deal with this and pass the time? Is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, a couple
1: months into when this started, I nobody knew what it looked like. So I kind of had my moment where I had to decide, like, am I going to go all in, finish this? I self-published it, which means you put your own money into it and time. So I had that moment and I'm grateful I did and launched it in November. And, you know, it took me two and a half years to do it once I committed to doing it. And I'm super grateful for, you know, not only the, the people that, you know, added value to the book and short anecdotes and quotes and different fun, but I'm I'm when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking like how grateful am I to all the game day entertainment producers, sports executives who gave me a shot. From from the first game to the lease and on and on and on to all those people because they said yes to wanting to give their fans something different. And and for you and I in our world that we're lucky to create in, that's what you want. You want to show fans something different, you want to move them, you
0: want to shake them up. So did you sit down and write these all out at one time or have you been, they kind of read like journal entries, this book. I would write, you know, I'd be in
1: on a plane and my three hops from Southwest leaving Austin going, Oh yeah. Team owner um, gave me his belt buckle and jeans cause I didn't get my luggage. Okay. Next story. And I collected all these different stories and I have every lanyard. I have every ticket stub, every press thing. Luckily My dad thought I was crazy for keeping it all, but I'm grateful I did.
0: (laughs) Are there any events that are still out of reach for you? You've done so many things from like small minor league indoor rinks to huge outdoor open air stadiums. Is there one golden gig that is still out of reach for you? I think the Super Bowl would be an event that, uh,
1: you know, that comes to my mind because of the scale. I did the Great Cup in Montreal, 65,000 people, but they set me up for success, which is, a lot about what we're doing, like the timing and making sure the cues work. And, you know, what I didn't used to do is I would just get up and dance in the old days. Like and now it's like, you know, the first hit, as you know, you and I, we plan that we make it a little more orchestrated, but they set me up for success. So if you could do that, I think it would work in the super, in a, you know, 70,000 seat stadium.
0: Super Bowl would be absolutely amazing to see you there, Cam. So, Great Cup, was that the largest event you did? I think
1: it was the, the largest event I ever did, and then it would be the L.A. Rams game. Yeah. I, I get goosebumps when I walk into an empty stadium. I, I don't know about you, but I went to London Olympic Stadium, and i literally walking down the tunnel, walking down the tunnel, and someone once said to me, he goes, well, you're, you're, you're never an athlete. Why, why does that give you goosebumps? And it was just like because everything I've ever done got me to this point, the rejection I lost my mom to cancer. Uh my dad had a sudden stroke and I was supposed to perform that night. And what do you do? All these moments have led to being in front of the crowd and grateful for those moments and
0: that opportunity. Uh are there any injuries coming more easily now? And how much more of this do you have left in you, Cam? Well, as you probably know, I take my ankles
1: pretty well before a game. I, I do a voice warm-up and a stage manager's like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just just working on my voice. <laughs> Um, I've got, I still have it in me. I still want to do, you know, some more events. I kind of want to make a list right now of the places I want to go before I stop, especially with the pandemic. And I've got, I've got more in me and that feels good. You know, that feels really good.
0: Cam, I could talk to you for uh, probably hours and hours, but all these incredible stories, I don't want to give them all away. They're in the book. Yeah. Uh, tell people right now where they can get the book. Um, CameronHughes.tv. I, I would
1: love to personalize a book or, or um, sign one for you, your friend, your loved ones, your cousins, your neighbors, uh, or you can go on Amazon and get an ebook or you can order one from any of the big retailers. Yeah. And then weird. let's talk about this. Then we're going to get a Winnebago and I'm going to go on a full blown. We're going on a, the wild cheer tour. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to get I mean, weird. Are you going to soundtrack Alberta for me? I would love to, we'll you know, a, I'm not we'll, kidding.
0: <laughs> we'll put a DJ set up on the back. I've seen him. Yeah. No, it's going to
1: happen. One last thing. I I did this post on ripping up the script and I posted on LinkedIn. And since then, I've literally ripped up my own script for my speaking events, for stadiums, what I want to do. I'm like, for me to have that energy to want to come back, I've got to live my own message. I'm going to rip it all up too.
0: Cameron, thank you so much for sharing these incredible stories today. We can't wait until fans are back in buildings and you're there again, pumping up the energy. Uh, His book is called King of Cheer. You can grab it at CameronHughes.tv. I'll provide a link uh, in the show description below. In the meantime, uh, keep engaging people through interviews like this. We love seeing you and we love hearing your stories. Big cheer to you. Can't wait to fire it up with you again. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You know, I wonder which sports team is going to hire Cam to be the first fan in the building after the pandemic when we finally ease these restrictions a little more and we can safely open up the doors to fans at sporting events that's a big idea I'm just throwing it out there lots of hockey for you tonight inside the NHL Stars Panthers Hurricanes Lightning Rangers taking on the Flyers Flames battling the Leafs Ducks and Coyotes Wild and Avalanche and the Kings versus the Blues great night for hockey I hope you enjoy it thank you for subscribing again wherever you get podcasts next week my guest will be Taylor Dean. Manager of Game Presentation for the Toronto Maple Leafs. My name is Johnny. Be good to each other.
1: Join Johnny Infamous every Wednesday at noon for Between Whistles. Subscribe and watch live on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network.
0: Presented by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN to unlock rewards at DraftKings.com.